Welcome to the Burand and Associates podcast, Insurance Banter. In each episode, you'll experience insightful discussions about important topics that you can implement in your business to become a more effective insurance professional. I'm really excited about the conversation uh, today. We have um, Jackie Calder with us to talk about uh, salespeople. So good morning, Jackie. And good morning, Chris. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Well, I'm just going to jump right into it, uh, Jackie. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself first, though, so people, uh, as they're listening, will realize that they should be paying attention right now? I have the pleasure of having worked specifically with salespeople for over two decades now. And my area of specialization is helping hiring managers identify the raw prospecting talent in an applicant or helping hiring managers elevate their current salespeople's comfort with prospecting and generating new business. I suppose on the street, uh, the common term or the area of specialization that I have is dealing with the fear of rejection. Wow. Okay. So with that, with the with that fear of rejection, are, are uh, salespeople just naturally good at it? Or is that something that, that can be, be overcome? It's an age-old question. Are salespeople born or are they made? I would propose from the work that I've done with salespeople that some people have a natural advantage when they're born. Some people are naturally engaging and are able to garner attention wherever they go, like the right sort of attention, of course. However, when you look at the research, there is no one personality type that has the market cornered on being a good salespeople. And I think most hiring managers would agree with that too. If they looked at all the salespeople that they've worked with or even have currently employed, they could see that there are just so many different personalities and backgrounds in that group of people. They probably would find it hard to find one clean personality type that says that one's always going to be a winner. Most people have the ability to be better in sales than they currently are if the sales profession is something that they are drawn to. So they can be a better version of themselves if they were just more comfortable being visible in the marketplace and prospecting more consistently to the people who can help them move closer to earning what they're worth. And so we're talking about um, sales and you keep mentioning the word prospecting because I've found that sometimes um, in insurance, especially we look at, oh, that person is, has a good personality. They're good at talking to people. And especially if someone shows up on their doorstep, they can have the conversation. But prospecting, where you have to go out and actually find the person to have a conversation with, is a lot different. Yes, it is. In our model, and it is only our model, there are other models out there, there are four steps in the actual sales process. And if you can imagine, they are listed underneath one another. And those steps are initiate, introduce, inform, and influence. So a salesperson is expected to 
initiate contact with prospective clients so that they can introduce themselves, which then allows them to inform about the products and services, and then influence that prospect to buy. What you're talking about when a sales manager meets a person that impresses them, that's what we call personal impact. And it's that's part of the sales process that is actually the second step of introducing themselves. Now, is it important? Yes, it is to have a good personal impact. But it, what, it's what happens after the prospecting has been done, the initiating part. So it's important, but it is secondary to prospecting. So prospecting, you know, is, is something that it, people aren't prospectors. It's, it's, it's a part of that activity. Prospecting is something that you do. It's not who you are. And that's an important point that I want to do a little bit of a sidebar on. When I work with people who aspire to be better than they are, to do more outbound activity, one of the first misconceptions we need to get around is that there's a problem with who they are. They think it's a personality problem. They think that they may not be skilled enough. What we've found, and the research supports this, is it's not who you are, it's what you do that is the problem. So let me give you an example, or let me expand upon that. Prospecting is a verb. It's an action word. It's something that requires someone to do something. Do telephoning do asking for referrals, do networking. Compare that to personality, which is where we would describe someone as who they are. You are empathic. You are engaging. You are social. Now, who you are may be important, but it is not a predictor necessarily of what you will do when it comes to new business generation. So when we're trying to help people the message to get across is it is fine who you are, but you may want to change what you do if you wish to be more successful and reach financial goals that are important to you. Okay. And so, Chris, you work with, with a lot of agencies. So when, when Jackie's talking about this prospecting activity, um, what have you seen from, from agencies that do it right, that, that have that success? in being able to identify people. I think Jackie's point there is just beyond phenomenally important. Um, the agencies that do it really well manage the activities of their producers, especially newer producers. And they manage them from, their, from most agency executives' own or uh, executives and owners' perspectives, it might appear that they're actually micromanaging the producer's activities. In other worlds, it's not actually micromanagement. We This industry has a, a bit of a perverse thought process when it, as to what the definition of micromanaging is. But one of my favorite stories about uh, Jackie and, and one of my clients, it really gets to the point of the need to manage what they do and help them do and help them become that better person is I had a, I have a client who um, 
hired a producer and they scored really well on Jackie's test and they failed miserably as a producer. <clears throat> and they were all over me. They were just upset at me because I had recommended Jackie. And I said, well, let me see the test. Let me look at the test. I said, I'm no Jackie. I don't know how to read these tests like Jackie does, but I've read a bunch of them. Let me look. And so at the back of these tests, they give really good management instructions. And this is one of the reasons I like this program, because it tells managers how to manage to that person's personality. So it's a, it's a great combination that way. And it said, this person will be a phenomenal salesperson for you if, but only if you micromanage them. So I asked the agency owner, I said, well, did you micromanage him? No. Why would I ever do that? Well, because it says they're only going to be successful if you do. He goes, well, I didn't take that seriously. And I share that with, with the audience because one of the weaknesses of most agency owners and most agency managers is that they are, it's anathema almost, it's repulsive almost to manage producers at the level that is required to manage their activities, especially when they first get hired. So to bridge that gap, a solution has to be found um, within or through some third party to, to make it work, Paul. Managing the activities is beyond essential and the really good agencies do it. Okay. It's a really and interesting point. I'm going to just kind of jump in there because everyone has their own natural path to excellence when it comes to business development activities. Some people prefer phoning. Some people prefer asking for referrals. Some people want an environment where they are woven into the tapestry of everyone that's there. Other people are solo flyers. If you can look and identify, if you can identify someone's natural path to excellence and you can pivot or gently adjust your management style to provide them with an optimal environment where they can flourish, then you will often get the best activity from them in the shortest period of time. And that's really the name of the game. How quickly are they going to go from a cost into a benefit for the company? You know, how quickly will they validate? That's, there's an enormous difference between someone who will validate in two months, two years or two decades in terms of top line. And you can almost predict that mm -hmm. based on their level of hesitation or comfort with outbound activities that allow them to reach into the marketplace and be visible to those people who are going to potentially do business with them. So that example that Chris used, I know who that client is, by the way, I remember it very well. It was not that the person was bad. There was a misalignment with what the person's natural path to excellence was and the management resourcing that that company could provide. Now, imagine you could get that aligned. Like, how cool would that be where you had the information about how to align and accelerate someone's success when they came on board? That would be amazing for everyone. It would be. So you talk about this natural path to success, and I've heard you 
also talk about kind of the three foundational pillars of, of building that book and, and achieving that success. Can you talk a little bit about those uh, too, so people understand what the activities are, I guess we could say that those foundational pillars that, that you're trying to guide people along their natural path to achieve. Certainly. certainly. The pillars can be summarized as really a, a question that a lot of managers ask when they're sitting across the desk, looking at an applicant. Is this applicant willing, able, and fearless? when it comes to generating new business and starting their career. So I consider the three pillars to be the willing, the able, and the fearless. Now, technically, we measure those with particular scales. And so willing, I measure how clear they are with their prospecting goals. Like, do they have a destination in mind that they are striving for? Are they going to be pulled towards doing the behaviours that need to occur to be successful or are you going to have to push them uphill? That's a big difference. That's the willing part. The able part is do they have sufficient motivational energy to invest into the prospecting? Because you can't get V8 performance out of a car when you've only put a two-stroke engine under the hood. So that's the able part. And then the fearless is a measure of the extent to which they are hesitant or conflicted about prospecting for new business. Now, that hesitation can take the shape of 16 different forms. So it's really important to identify how someone feels, for example, about using the phone compared to asking for referrals, compared to networking, centres of influence, because everyone has their own signature in terms of what they're going to be comfortable doing. That signature is what the manager then matches to the resources, the market and the requirements of the job. So the fearless part is what I measure and call sales call reluctance. There are 16 different types. But at a high level, the three pillars are Willing, able, and fearless. So you're a hiring manager, and you're looking at that. I'm, I've got some a person sitting in front of me. I need to. I'm trying to evaluate: Are they willing? Are they able? Are they fearless? How do I do that? You can ask specific interview questions. Uh, let me give you an example of a couple. So let's say that I want to measure whether someone is um, willing, okay, whether they're willing, which would be related to the goal level. It would be a question such as, can you give me some examples of how you've worked towards accomplishing your goals? And what the manager's looking for, if there's going to be a problem, will be answers that are vague, unclear or even unenthusiastic. Another question might be, um, please describe the process you use to develop your sales targets, you know, for a given period. You know, can you tell me a little bit about that? And you're looking for indications of reluctance to tell you or an inability to articulate that or even disinterest related to setting specific uh, activity goals. 
that's just two examples of how you could use interview questions to drill down into one of those foundations. And as I said, that one is the foundation of whether they're willing. If someone is able, you're still going to ask interview questions, but you're going to ask things that are a little bit uh, different. So you might use this as an interview question. Most people at one stage or another experience a degree of career or personal stress that might reduce the amount of energy they have available for daily job activities. How applicable might this be to you at the moment? And what you're trying to do is find out if there's uh, a motivational energy flow that needs to go somewhere else that is no longer available for prospecting. So interview questions are an option. Of course, there is the assessment, the SPQ assessment that will also ask questions and give you a report at the end of it, which is what Chris had referred to earlier. And take that a little bit further, Chris. You've got some clients I know uh, that you work with that have a really good process to kind of evaluate clients using that that. Um, SPQ process. Can you talk a little bit about that, what they do, especially how it relates to, to getting those questions Jackie talks about? They just don't have a list that they just willy-nilly pick from, I'm sure. No, no, the SPQ goal test has been just really a phenomenal, uh, just a phenomenal tool for my clients that have a methodical hiring and producer development process. It takes it, it, it really helps them become more disciplined in their hiring. And that is so important uh, when hiring producers. The vast majority of agency owners and hiring managers hire producers based on one single criteria when you really get down to it. And that criteria is, do they like them or not? Does their gut tell them that it's a good person? Um, and that's a really lousy indicator. Your people's guts are just really lousy indicators on this. And one of the reasons for that in our world, <clears throat> Paul, is that it's a, a likability. But they are the agency owners are sometimes turned off, maybe because of their own call reluctance that's developed over the years by people that are so straightforward as to be willing to ask for a sale. They have the ability, they're fearless they'll ask for a sale and they go to interview that person and they go, man, that person is just too forward. That person is too direct. I, I'm not comfortable with that person. That's actually the person that probably should be hiring. And as I like to point out to people, it's a lot easier to fire a producer that you don't like than one that you do like, which is a side benefit of hiring people that just pass the test, but that you don't necessarily like. Um, it's that methodical process that makes all the difference in the world that, and this is the first step, this program that Jackie has is the first step in, in making it methodical, Paul, and it makes all the difference in the world. It, it just does. You've got to be methodical in today's world. I think so. And I'll give a, a, an unsolicited um, endorsement of, of, of that is your, you know, we talked to Art in the last uh, episode wow. about finding producers, but once you find them, um, it's not just having that conversation or boy, that lunch went well, let's see what we can do. Um, at that point, you, you can implement like this SPQ 
gold test that's that's just been phenomenal. You have somebody take that. Um, it outlines kind of you know what their natural path to success is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie helps you walk through that, identify what questions you need to be asking them to to kind of pull that out, and then determine to the story you told earlier. Okay, here's what you need to do to help that person have that success. Um, do they, you know, do they have those foundational pillars? And yeah. then once you identify what those are, what the natural path of success is that you can work with them on. I mean, it's just, it's uh, very enlightening compared to just, you know, going around blindfolded in the dark saying, looks good. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. It's in, in our, in our prior podcast, his approach and the reason that they have so much success with that search firm, one of the reasons is they're, it's a methodical process. Jackie helps push you, Jackie's program helps push agencies into that methodical process as well. And the success rate of being methodical in hiring and developing producers is roughly speaking about 300% higher than the willy-nilly that is traditional in this industry. And anytime you can get a 300% improvement, man, it kind of makes sense to do a 300% improvement. (laughs) No brainer at that stage. Oh, sure. Well, Jackie, um, this is, I think we can go on and on about this because it is such a fantastic process you have. But uh, just what can you tell us to wrap up just about uh, how people can engage with you and, and, and the services that you can provide them. People are welcome to reach out to me directly uh, via email um, or via phone. But if you are suffering from toxic levels of prospecting distress and you don't like using the phone, you might find that emailing me is a little bit more comfortable for you. So I always give that out there as a polite option. So my email address uh, is jacqueline.colder at bsrpinc.com. I'm sure we'll have that documented somewhere. But might I also encourage people to get onto our website? The website is call reluctance.com and if you press the resources tab underneath that you'll see a section for blogs and a section for um, podcasts as well the the blog that people might be interested in is specifically titled why personality testing often comes up short and it helps get into more detail about how personality is not always going to be the best predictor of sales success. And I mention that because most managers have been told very early on in their career that personality will predict success. This is additional research that you can use to complement your current selection system. And of course, you can always give me a call. The phone number at the office is 972-243-8543. Always up for a chat. Let's explore what you've actually got going on. Hey, well, thank you so much. And those are fantastic uh, articles on the blog. So I'd encourage everybody to go out there and do it. But Jackie, thank you for for joining us today. Chris, as always, pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, Paul, for hosting. Great host. Absolutely. And we appreciate uh, 
everybody taking the time to listen and we'll look forward to talking to you next time.